Football systems check. Microphone. Check. Record enabled. Kate. Check. Michelle. Check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Welcome to the Ball Blast Podcast. Here to help you get ballsy and win your fantasy football leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Kay Majuk, Michelle Majuk, and Jake Trowbridge. Ayo! Ayo! Welcome into the Ball Blast Fantasy Football Podcast, where it is our goal to help you get ballsy and win your fantasy football leagues. I'm your host, Michelle. You can find me on Twitter at Ball Blastem, Ball Blast E-M. And I'm Kate. You can follow me at FF Ball Blast. And I'm Jake. You can find me at Jake Trowbridge with a W. Before you start listening, go smash that five-star review on whatever podcast app you're listening to. It helps us so, so, so much, and we really appreciate it. Guys, we've had a pretty awesome postseason, I would oh, say. Oh, my God. Some really fun games. I still feel, like, cheated out of that Bills loss. I, I, like, I, people are like, well, you're rooting for the Bills. That's why you're upset. It's like, I think I would have felt cheated if, or if Allen got the ball first in overtime and the Bills won. Yeah. It didn't I feel think- like enough game. I it agree. Didn't. It was such a fantastic game. It like one of the best games in all, all time. Like literally one of the best games. And then it ends like that. It's like ugh. It just felt like a gross ending. Yeah, it felt icky. But I guess now we're a couple weeks past that. We have not recorded, so I haven't been able to get that off my chest. But now <laughs> we're going in the Super Bowl week. Who would have thought the Bengals would be in the Super Bowl? Insane. If you bet on the Bengals making the Super Bowl before the season started. I need the receipts. Yeah. Congratulations congratulations. on your mansion. Yeah, right? (laughs) Especially if you were a Bengals fan and you just felt it, like, who are you? And I'm going to need to talk to you because I need to know your predictions for the future. But what what do we think is going to happen in this game? Who you got winning, Jake? Okay, there's what my heart wants and there's what my head thinks will truly happen. My heart? wants the Bengals to win because I think that they deserve like that fan base deserves it the Rams have come and gone they've seen this the Bengals have not seen this in a very long time but my head thinks that the Bengals offensive line going against the Rams defensive front is not gonna end super well I just, I hope it's very competitive. I could see this being like a 31 to 10 pseudo blowout though for the Rams unfortunately but hopefully not. Yeah, who are you rooting for, Kate? I mean, this is so hard for us because we're Steelers fans. But the Bengals this season are very likable. I mean, Joe Burrow is one of the most likable quarterbacks out there. It's hard to root against him. Um, but I also like the Rams. So who are you going for? This- I'm I'm rooting for the Bengals. Like, the best underdog storyline probably in history. You have Joe Burrow coming back. Not just, like, it's his second season, but I feel like so many people forget that he was coming back from a torn ACL suffered in week 11 last year. Um, like, I, I just think there's so many good storylines. Him, Jamar Chase, uh, at, like, Panay Sewell, would he have gotten him? 
uh, to the Super Bowl? I don't think so. No. Like, this team is just so fun. I'm rooting for them, and uh, I do think they have a chance. The only thing that I think could hinder them, because I think they're coming into this game with more swagger, uh, just more, like, they've got the style points right now. The only thing that I think could hurt them is their inexperience, but that hasn't hindered them. Like, we've seen Joe Burrow step up in really big moments uh, from college all the way here through these playoffs. Uh, definitely going to be interesting. Yeah, and there's not too much experience on the Rams side either of Super Bowls. I mean, yeah, they made it in 2018, but not a ton of the same players on the roster. But I will say, everyone's like, oh, the Bengals deserve to win because they haven't won it, right? Or they haven't done anything in so long. It's like... If I'm a Rams fan, you haven't seen them win a Super Bowl since 1999. Like, I personally would have been eight at that time. So I think it's still fair that, you know, Rams fans would still really like to see a Super Bowl as well. It's not like they're getting greedy here. Um, it hasn't happened in a long time. So but I, they're, they, like, you, I feel like they're in the Super Bowl every year. Like, they're like the Kansas City It's been City twice. <laughs> it's been I know. twice in the last, like, 20. I know. Okay. Um, no, that's just not. That's not the case. But. but also, you could make a rooting interest if you like underdogs for Matthew Stafford as well. So there's underdogs on both sides yes. of the of the game. So that's kind of nice, at least. Either way, we all win because yeah, there's win. one more as, game of football. As long as there's good quarterback play on both sides, that's all I'm rooting for. I want to see some offense. That's all. That's all we really care about here in the fantasy football world. Even when there's no fantasy football going on, I'm sure you guys will all be betting on player prop bets. Um, so, you know, get your Cooper cup bet in, get your T Higgins bet in because that mm -hmm. dude is so disrespected on all the network shows this week, including my network show, NFL network. All they talk about is Jamar chase. I'm starting to yell at the producers. Like, come on guys, give my boy <laughs> T Higgins some love and some credit. Cause he's a baller and I will be talking about him later. Uh, but on today's episode, let's talk about running backs coming off season long injuries. Because there's three big ones. I mean, it felt like in the offseason, it was just like killer injury after killer injury after killer injury. But the first guy up here is actually one that's somehow been somehow has been playing in the postseason and will be playing in the Super Bowl. That's Cam Akers. People are very excited about what he's done, but at the same time, he's done absolutely nothing. So... Jake, what's your feeling on how Cam Akers has looked out there and, you know, just how he's performed so far in the postseason? I think people are just excited that he's out there at all, point yeah. blank. Not, It's not so much a matter of, oh, look at those wild stats that he has, because he doesn't have them, to your point. But it is nice, and that's why I'm trying to take that statistical recognition out of this entire thing. I am just excited that he's out there playing at all, because there's I don't think there's anybody who thought that was going to be the case when he got injured. So, yeah, it's really cool to see him back. I think it speaks more to the Rams' confidence, A, in that injury and the fact that it is a thing of the past, but also that they really feel they need him to make this Super Bowl run here. So the confidence level is something I'm looking at because this offseason, there's going to be so much debate about, you know, if they keep... Daryl Henderson or Sony Michelle on the roster, how do they impact Cam Akers? And I think I'm going to be looking back at this moment of, well, they forced, not forced, but they really wanted Cam Akers to come back for this and kind of lead them. So I'm kind of taking all the stats out of it for right now. 
Yeah, annoyingly, Daryl Henderson, we still haven't got to see those two play together. It's like they can't stay healthy at the same time. Both are just injured all the time. Even Akers, besides just the Achilles tear, I mean, he got the rib injury then last game. He had the ankle. Uh, yeah, it was ribs last game. No, uh, so, shoulder. Sorry. It was a shoulder injury in the NFC Championship game. And then last year is when you had the rib injury and then the ankle injury. It's like... Can either Henderson or Akers stay healthy with the way McVeigh wants to use them? I don't know. But clearly McVeigh wants to give Akers 20-plus touches a game. Like, that is his goal. And I kind of feel good about that going into 2022 because it doesn't really matter if he sucks. He's going to get the touches. It's just kind of interesting because I, I think we saw a little bit more success from Sony And I don't Michelle. mean that Cam Akers sucks. I mean, it doesn't matter if he's performing poorly on the field. McVeigh will still feed him. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I, I just think that, I mean, Cam Akers, he's had oodles and noodles and caboodles of touches here in the postseason. Uh, and he really has not done, like, anything with them. Uh, hasn't exceeded 55 rushing yards, uh, despite the fact that he's had more than 17 touches in two of his postseason games. Like, he's getting the work i think you have to be really excited about that i think he passed the eyeball test um in the first round against the cardinals and i think we've sort of seen a decline since and i don't know if maybe that some of that wear and tear of uh that heavy usage is catching up and the fact that you know maybe he's not uh as conditioned uh for you know 24 carries a game as mcveigh would like i don't know what it is but it, I do. I will say this postseason has made. I will rank Acres higher than I was planning on to if we didn't get to see him, just because we saw how much he's going to be fed, no matter if he performs or doesn't perform. Like I think he could be much better than what he's showing. Um, but I don't think McVeigh really cares. He just wants to, you know, get those <laughs> rushes. And will you guys have him ranked as a top twelve running back in twenty twenty two? I had him on the fringe of Dynasty Top 12 even before he officially came back because I was so smitten with the role he would ultimately get. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to have him at least near that. I think he lands there on volume alone, mm-hmm. even if he's not uber efficient. But like I said, I, I don't know. Um, I, I think maybe some time off in the off season get him more conditioned. It was a lower body injury. I uh, can't. Can't exactly, you know, run your sprints when you've torn your Achilles. So yeah, I, I will have them in my top twelve as well. I don't have those rankings even close to done. Obviously, we're uh, just Slacker. finishing up the twenty twenty one season here, <laughs> but I will have him ranked in the top twelve and above these next two guys we're going to talk about with the season ending injuries. So that next one up was J.K. Dobbins, the running back for the Ravens. He tore his. ACL right before the season. So a little bit different than Achilles. It's like we thought of it as a lesser injury, right? But I don't think J.K. Dobbins would have came back in the postseason if the Ravens would have made it. I guess that's just speculation. Uh, but That's all speculation. And, I mean, all of these injuries, rehab courses, like I think the issue with Achilles is that, like, Cam Akers is the first guy we've really seen to actually come back yeah and to be fair acres did tear it a month towards achilles a month before jk dobbins towards acl so a little bit different completely different injuries i and even each like every acl injury is not the same every achilles injury not the same 
Yeah. So you're I comparing to apples up, to car parts. I try to look up uh, injury update on J.K. Dobbins here to see like how he's been progressing, and there's really nothing on him. So that's a little nerve wracking. But I think at this point we just kind of have to assume he'll be ready for the season. Like a lot of guys are ready to go after taking a year off with the ACL. But then you have your Rashad Pennies, you know, who take three years to come back from an AC, ACL tear. And then your so, Rashad Nichols. Are you worried? Let's start here. Are we worried about the injury? Before we even get First into the play. First of all, can we stop and just, can we just <laughs> point out if it went over your head like it did for the first 20 seconds for me of that amazing penny to nickel uh, <laughs> analogy that just happened, that that was a thing that, so, that happened. This is what happens when did you're you married. I didn't even hear the joke. I wasn't even listening to her. <laughs> Everything she said just goes through my my ears, she has my ear holes. I don't hear anything. So, so half the time, Michelle, I don't... I'm going to need you to re-ask that question because I honestly I didn't even recognize it. <laughs> so I was saying, are we worried? Let's start here. Are we worried about the injury? That, I'm actually not super worried about Dobbins injury because I think in an, in a regular season this would be the expectation is well he didn't play and we haven't heard anything about it because there's been no reason to hear about it at this point. Ravens are out of contention. We're not hearing updates and that's fine. But of course Cam Akers comes back and now by comparison we start making all these inferences there and and I don't think we would typically. So I'm not super worried about the injury portion. I will say for some reason I am because I would like an update because the next guy we're going to talk about, we'll still talk about Dobbins, but it's Travis Etienne. There is at least an update on him and it's the Jaguars. Literally no one cares about the Jaguars. It's like he's on pace to be good to go for the start of OTAs and for all the, like all the practices. So that's a good sign for me. I, I would just like to hear that about Dobbins. Maybe it'll be coming out soon. But besides the whole injury part, I know, like, I think all three of us are pretty low on Dobbins to begin with uh, for the 2021 season. Watching the Ravens this year, has anything changed for you in regards to how you feel about Dobbins, about splitting a backfield? Like, do you think he'll come in and get more carries, more touches? I mean, the issue is you still have Gus Edwards in that backfield who also tore his ACL. Like, there are so many moving pieces and parts here. Um, like, Gus Edwards is there for one more season. I think my party line here is just uh, J.K. Dobbins is a very high upside running back who I can't pay up for, like, RB1 pricing. Is he a very up high upside running back, though? <laughs> because, like, do we... I actually think he is now. Do we expect him to this. get receptions? That's what I wanted to talk about coming into this season. I had no faith that he would get targets. None at all. But we saw like 90-year-old Devonta Freeman in this <laughs> offense get on pace for 56 targets in the games that he started for that offense. That's the only thing giving me hope for his upside right now. If Devonta Freeman can still do it, I feel like J.K. Dobbins can do it too. Obviously, yeah. some of that was with backup quarterbacks who were checking down a little bit more than Lamar, but still. Weeks uh, 11 through 17 in 2021, that was his rookie season, like got off to a slow start there, but ended up finishing his last six games, averaging like 17 PPR points That's when he had a gazillion touchdowns. And you have to, like, I obviously touchdowns are very volatile and, but I mean, this is sort of what you expect from one of the top rushing offenses in the NFL. You expect them to run the ball. You expect them to have 
rushing touchdowns and you expect them to have uh, a relatively high conversion rate when you have a rushing quarterback under center like Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I, I really think it comes down to touchdowns or bust for him for fantasy, and he could very easily get double-digit touchdowns. But if Lamar steals those rushing touchdowns, if Gus Edwards is back and steals those rushing touchdowns, if they decide they liked what they saw out of Freeman or Murray and they re-signed them for a really cheap deal, if they steal carries and rush touchdowns, like, I, I don't know. I don't really want to live and die on that. And then, especially in Dynasty, like, you have to hope for touchdowns every single year. You're not just betting on it in 2022. I don't really care to invest in him whatsoever. Um... Will you have him ranked as a top 15 running back in 2022? Jake, we'll start with you. Uh, it's, uh, it's so much easier to answer this from a dynasty perspective because, yes, from a dynasty perspective based on youth, but next year, I think he'll be flirting with it. I'm not super confident. <laughs> like, I'm much more confident in Acres than I was with Dobbins. Yeah, same. Uh, yeah, same. I think he'll flirt. I think he'll have a lot of – Top 12 performances, but I'm not convinced that end of season. Um, and this is kind of where it stinks. You have to go off of team because I do think J.K. Dobbins is a more talented running back. And if he were to ever get fed 20 plus times in a game, like I think he would perform like crazy and put up out great fantasy points. It's just I'm scared. That's not Greg Roman's offense. And he always has a split backfield. And I just I don't want to deal with that. All right, let's move on to the next guy, Travis Etienne. We know nothing about him when it comes to the NFL and what he will do in it. Uh, He was a rookie drafted in the first round by the Jaguars last year. He got the Liz Frank foot injury right before the season, and then he missed it all. So we have no information on him, right? Uh, We've really got no information about the Jaguars after this year because Urban Meyer kind of just wasted away Trevor Lawrence's rookie season. Are they still a franchise? I mean, at this point, it really <laughs> doesn't feel like it. Like, I, I'm i more confused about him than ever. Like, I kind of really want to buy into ETN because of his pass-catching pass abilities. He was great at Clemson. Um, James Robinson... You know, he tore his Achilles near the end of the season here. I guess if he's Cam Akers, he could be back. But you would expect it to be a rough offseason for him. And he's also now two coaches removed from that great 2020 season. So, I don't know. I'm not really buying into James Robinson being a thing. I think the issue, too, with James Robinson is, like, you already saw what it was when the coach who didn't find him and discover him was there. It's not just... Like, the coaching tree, it's the fact that, like, these coaches don't really have a vested interest in keeping his story alive at this point because he's the undrafted rookie. Like, you got to you gotta feed the, the first-round pick in Travis Etienne, but we really don't have any idea. And, Michelle, you have this in your notes, and I'm going to spoil it. I think the best and most promising thing for Etienne is Doug Peterson and – what he could potentially do uh, just to get Travis Etienne involved. Just to make that whole offense move. Uh, Jake, what are, you, what are your feelings on Etienne, uh, you know, for the upcoming season and just for his career? Everything with Etienne for me right now falls into this category of how much overlap does his usage and LaVisca Chenault's usage 
happen? What's that Venn diagram look like? And what's Leviticus usage? Is that a thing? But, Minimal. But like, <laughs> I'm talking short. I'm talking like short passing game, which is what I want out of Travis Etienne. I want him to have all yeah. of the short passing game. And we saw with Urban Meyer, he was not going to use both of them. There is no world that both of those guys, even if healthy, were going to have significant usage in that offense. So will Doug Peterson do that? What does he do with Chenault? I don't know. It feels like yeah. people really want him to be this high caliber player, and I'm sure he is. I don't know. It depends sure? on. I'm not, but it depends on what Doug thinks. It doesn't yeah. matter what I think. It matters what Doug thinks. We and will so be talking about Lavisca. We will be talking about Lavisca in a couple segments from now. Teaser. So, but I will say with Doug Peterson, he's had some successful running backs in the receiving game. Did, do you remember Miles Sanders having 509 receiving yards in his rookie season? Because I do no. not. <laughs> I do not remember this whatsoever. But that was under Eagles head coach Doug Peterson. Darren Sproles was getting up in age there when he was with Doug Peterson. But in his one full season, he played under Doug Peterson. He had 427 receiving yards. Like So we've seen some players have success under Peterson. We'll see. We'll see if that, you know, matters at all. It really comes down to will Trevor Lawrence like dump off the ball or is does he want to go deep? I, we don't really know anything about this offense, but I personally would rather bet on ETN in Dynasty than Dobbins. Are you guys with me? Uh, Just because of yeah. targets? Full full PPR, yes. Um, Just because of targets, and I think he gets more workload. I think he gets the full workload. I offense. actually feel like I am more comfortable with Dobbins' workload and what his role in that offense is. I think there's more question marks for me with ETN, so I would give the edge to Dobbins. All right. All and right. full PPR just for receiving upside alone. And, um, I mean, we saw what happened when uh, Mr. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase reconnected the magic happened Ooh, yeah uh let's not forget about that maybe um uh, you know i i think maybe etienne could be the spark that okay. we needed i don't know i think we all agree that cam maker is over both of them yep for sure okay cool all right let's... zach moss over cam makers <laughs> and bingo. i hate you <laughs> All right, moving on to our next hey, segment. Joe Mixon is playing in the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna drink Ooh, we didn't a talk about that sip at the top, of wine. Did we? Michelle skipped over wine. that in the show doc. Does no one want to talk about how he's averaged like 3.3 yards per carry since the middle of the season? Nobody. No, Nobody. we're talking about the fact that he's in the Bueller. Super Bowl. Watch him yeah. win Super Bowl MVP, <laughs> and I'm no. going to die. I will die. I'm not coming back to this podcast. <laughs> I thought you were going to say I'm going to die and I'm not going to come back to this earth. I'm like, maybe that's too. Who needs you? Um, hey. All right. Well, I don't want you to haunt me. We're moving on to the next topic. <laughs> so we've had, you know, we had those guys with injuries and then we had a lot of just disappointing seasons of guys that we thought we could trust this year or we thought were going to break out even bigger. So who will have the bigger bounce back year? I'm going to give you two names at a time. The first group we're going to start with here is DK Metcalf or AJ Brown. They were both talked about as top five dynasty wide receivers entering the season. A, do you still have them there? And who do you trust more moving forward to, you know, bounce back? I'm going to roll with AJ Brown as the 
the bounce back candidate here. DK Metcalf truly has been DK decaf this season. Um, Like this all comes down to AJ Brown. The fact that he played through injury, like pretty much the entire season. Um, The, the ceiling remains quite high, but like DK Metcalf, he was banged up a little bit this year, but I don't think to the degree that AJ Brown was, and he still couldn't do much. And like on the field at the same time, Tyler Lockett, simply looked like the better receiver. I mean, to be fair, Russell Wilson wouldn't even look his way in so many games. I felt like watching it, DK Metcalf was open and open and open, and Russell just wouldn't even look the side of his field. I I don't know what was going on there. Russell Wilson was obviously injured for a part of the season. So, like, closing out the season, uh, there was only one game where he had fewer than eight targets, and in that span did not exceed – uh, 63 receiving yards. Okay. He had a healthy target share to close out the season. Like, I, I think he was utilized plenty. I don't think he was um, efficient whatsoever. We saw a huge drop in his efficiency. He did have a lot more showed. targets than I remember. So 129 just... targets, the same number of targets that he had in 2020. Okay. Well, literally the same exact shot that idea down by me pretty hard. Pew, pew. I do feel like I was watching games. He just wouldn't look his way when he was open, but maybe that was just me being biased. Cause I like DK. I love DK Metcalf, but he had 12 touchdowns, 12 touchdowns did not crack a thousand receiving yards. And we're still drafting him as though he's like a top five dynasty wide receiver. We're not factoring in any of the risk here. It's pretty wild. He had 12 touchdowns and still only averaged 14.4 fantasy points per game in PPR, 23rd among wide receivers. What's your feeling on DK, Jake? And do you think Russell Wilson is a Seahawk next year? I think that's a huge question to answer. Hey, that stat made me nauseous about the touchdowns (laughs) and that he still didn't crack 15 per game. But, yeah, I think the Russell question – it's legitimate, and I understand it. I think that he ultimately does stay with Seattle. It feels like they're never going to part. This is going to be an every offseason question that we're going to have to endure until the end of time or until Russell Wilson finally hangs it up. So I am just assuming that he's back with the Seahawks. I'm assuming the Seahawks change absolutely nothing about their offensive scheme because they never do, and we're right back where we started. I agree. Tyler Lockett, I feel like, is a more reliable guy at this point. And I'd much rather bank on Tyler Lockett, especially at draft costs and trade costs and all that. And I like A.J. Brown for what he did through this year. The offense still runs through two guys when healthy, Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown still had four games of over 100 yards, well over 100 yards, by the way. We're talking like 140 plus every time with that injury. So Tannehill's going to be back. I'm, I'm confident in that, at least. I'm confident that Derrick Henry will be back next year. And basically, everything should run as normal with the Titans, so give me A.J. Brown. Yeah, I think I'm with you guys. I thought about D.K. Metcalf here for a second, but Kate and you totally just turned me around, and I'm going with A.J. Brown for sure. I feel Copycat. much I feel much better about him moving <laughs> forward. Um, all right, let's go with another wide receiver group here. Brandon Ayuk or Chase Claypool. Both... I mean, they were far more disappointing than Metcalf or A.J. Brown. Ayuk was the wide receiver 48 in fantasy points per game. Claypool was a wide receiver 39 in fantasy points per game. This is PPR. I'm surprised Claypool was even there, even had that much. I felt like I don't know when he scored any points, honestly. 
Uh, who do we think has a better chance of breaking out next year? We don't really know the quarterback for either of these guys. Oh, sorry. We do know Trey Lance. I don't know why I said that. But the quarterback will change for both of these guys is what I meant to say. Trey Lance for Brandon Ayuk with the 49ers. We have no idea who the quarterback will be for Claypool. What do you guys say about these two guys? Kate? I... <laughs> um, that's kind of what I have to say. Uh, I think I roll with Ayuk here because I think you can say neither. I mean, I'm not I'm not psyched on either of these guys, but I think Brandon Ayuk is probably set to be the more reliable asset moving forward. Um, like my my thought there is just that I think Ayuk was a much better performer for his actual NFL team and has like continued to earn more opportunities as the year went on, started the season in the doghouse, and I think cracked his way out, uh, you know, mid-season, and I, I think he had a successful season. Uh, Claypool? Well, <laughs> not so much uh, super useful to your team. I will never forgive him for the first down celebration. <laughs> and But, like, I think that it... It's not just that first down celebration. I think it's kind of what that represents in terms of his usefulness. There's really no usefulness for Chase Claypool outside of his ability in contested catch situations unless he improves as a wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, his separation ability, it just seems like it's zero. Does Is he able to get a foot on a corner? I no. don't know. Because he always has to make a crazy catch, and he always is falling. Can you catch the ball on your feet just once, one time, and run into the end zone? Just, <laughs> just once. That's all I ask. Um, I prefer IU. Who do you prefer? Like, I just prefer him because he's more talented. We'll see what he can do with Trey Lance. But um, who do you prefer in fantasy moving forward, Jake? Claypool is definitely the more uh, quarterback-dependent player out of the bunch yeah. here. And obviously, though, he has the most room to grow, I think, because Ben Roethlisberger was – 30th out of 31 eligible quarterbacks in terms of intended air yards per attempt. Like, obviously, it's going to be a step up, no matter who the quarterback is, which we don't know yet. It has to be. Unless it's Jimmy Garoppolo, in which case, I don't know. Yes, Sayonara, that's Chase the Claypool's worst value. thing ever. <laughs> so, from that perspective, you know, there is less going against Ayuk. So, I think just from a safety perspective, I'd go with him. There would be no worse duo than Jimmy Garoppolo and Chase Claypool. Like, if you think – there's actually a lot of people out there who think the Steelers could trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. No matter what your thoughts are on in that, if you think it will be good for the Steelers or not, it would be terrible, terrible for Chase Claypool. Because when you think yeah. of Jimmy Garoppolo, it's, oh, his playmakers get so much separation in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Everyone has such separation. And they all get so many yards after catch for Jimmy Garoppolo. And this is why he succeeds, right? Like, such great connections. Chase Claypool, he would have to throw up deep contested throws, which he's not going to do. And no, that just sounds like the, it sounds like the worst duo of all time. <laughs> and I'm just sweating thinking about it as a Steelers fan. Everybody trade away Chase Claypool if you have him on oh, your roster right now. Oh my goodness. I'm not even that excited about Ayuk, but I will say the second half of the season, he came out of the Kyle Shanahan doghouse and he, you know, he led the team in receiving yards after week nine. Um, actually, he had 826 receiving yards this year. 
730 of those yards came in week eight or later. What? That means he had less Wild. than 100 yards. What? Heading into week Stop. eight. What? Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. I thought when you guys you said, just really don't read my notes. I put these in for all of you guys. Uh, well, I try. <laughs> I not thought to those were yours exclusively. No, I, I literally scroll past them on purpose, but I'm gonna start reading the hell out of them. I literally put them in there to help us along in the podcast. Okay, but, NFL researcher. Yeah. Oh my god. All right, <laughs> and then quickly in the segment because we still got a couple more segments. This is gonna be a long pod apparently, but let's talk about Antonio Gibson. Antonio Gibson. Antonio Gibson. Or Josh Jacobs. Both pretty disappointing this year. Uh, where you drafted them, especially Antonio Gibson. People had such high hopes. He ended with 14.3 fantasy points per game, 19th among running backs. Jacobs actually ended with 15.1 fantasy points per game, 14th among running backs. Like last year, if you would have asked me this, I would have easily said Antonio Gibson. I would have liked him so much more moving forward. But I think I'm kind of on the Josh Jacobs side now. Jake, like which side are you on? Yeah, they they seem like the exact opposite players that they're supposed to be. Yes. Antonio Gibson is supposed to be the pass catcher that's supposed to mm-hmm. rake in all of these targets. That isn't his thing, or at least that has not been what's happened thus far, which is stupid because he was a wide receiver in college. But Josh Jacobs, his targets have increased every single year in the league now. Going into year four, he's coming off of 64 targets. I'm I'm absolutely on Josh Jacobs. Antonio Gibson is dead to me right now. I will happily My take Lord. Josh Jacobs. That's right. I, I will say Gibson was, I mean, both of them are really dealing with injuries throughout the season. Gibson really dealt with that uh, turf toe for a lot of the year, which can be very difficult to play through. But it's just like they wanted to use your boy, J.D. McKissick. Now he is a free agent. We'll see if they resign him. I feel like they will. Free as a bird, but I I hope they keep. I think J.D. McKissick was actually just a really solid and reliable option for them. He should not be expensive whatsoever. Um, if he's if he's healthy, I I really like that. But I mean, I I still just think it's alarming that this is a converted wide receiver, and they can't get him the ball. Like I. It's not an issue of touches because they're generating touches for him, but why can't we get him involved as a receiver, as a converted wide receiver? Yeah, I don't know. Gibson was very much touchdown or bust this year. It's his second season. Like, I'm going to say if it's, you know, the the lack of ability as, you know, a third down back, if you're not, uh, you know, comfortable as a pass blocker, et cetera, that needs to take a big leap in your second to third year. I will say... I agree with you on all of this, right? I know, right? But if you have Antonio Gibson in Dynasty and someone sends you Josh Jacobs for Antonio Gibson straight up, are you accepting? Because I don't know if I could. No. I don't know why. No, no, no. I'm not accepting that. But because the market for Antonio Gibson is higher, and I'm going to point that out and say, give me my money's worth. Like It's not that much higher, though. It is. If I had to, I'd accept it. By the way, if I had to, I'd accept. I would try and get them to toss in a pick to sweeten it up, but I would absolutely take that. I I, I think that Josh Jacobs is like not even in the same area code or uh, 
zip code zip code not area code um i don't think josh jacobs and and i don't think they're within the same you're actually right so i'm in a startup right now antonio gibson went at the four seven josh jacobs went at the seven two what all right i'm sending out offers um i'm kind of annoyed with myself that i didn't i took michael Pittman over josh jacobs i just i don't like myself right now um but yeah i i i with that Difference in cost, definitely I would be open to trading Antonio Gibson for Josh Jacobs plus, but you should be getting plus for them. It's really cute that you come in here with your stats and information, and then we just whip you around. Yeah. Do you get whiplash after hosting this podcast? I know. Kate just like Googles something quickly, and she's like, well, actually, Michelle. And I'm like, okay, I didn't just put hours of work into this. It's fine. (laughs) All right. So we had those disappointing players. And then we just have players that just disappoint us all the time. I mean, they haven't given us any happiness yet. And I want to ask you guys, are these players late bloomers or are they just straight up busts? Because those things happen, right? And people take it very seriously. Like their favorite prospects cannot be busts. Like Zach Moss can't be a bust, okay? Okay, I'm still holding out hope. We're not going to talk about him though. We're going to talk about, because <laughs> we're never talking about him on this podcast for the entire offseason. My heart can't handle it. But we're going to start with a guy we already brought up on this podcast earlier, LaVisca Chenault. Like, there is no DJ Chark this season, or like there was for one second. There is no Travis Etienne. These are players that were going to take away massive amount of targets in our heads. If you told us these two players are going to miss the season, we would have been like, LaVisca Chanel was a steal in the draft, except he wasn't. He was the opposite of that. He ended with 619 yards, zero touchdowns, zero. That is like actually impressive. That is like Jacoby Myers type level of talent. Zero touchdowns in his rookie season. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) I felt like I was was too mean to Jacoby Myers. It was just whatever you said just didn't even register. In his rookie season, he had 600 yards, so consistent, I will say. But he did have five touchdowns in his rookie season, so maybe the touchdowns were due because Urban Meyer is the worst head coach of all time. Is it all because of Urban Meyer, or is he just not that good? Kate. Um, I mean, I like this entire offense, like you said earlier, was just trash, literal garbage. Uh, so it's really hard to judge any particular aspect of this offense. But, I mean, LaVisca Chenault was disappointing in the fact that they did generate touches for him. He had an 18% target share. And guess what? He did not have a single top 12 finish in the entire season. Damn. He had one one week as a wide receiver, too. That is all that LaVisca Chenault did with 100 targets. You are going to need so much. Like, maybe this is an anomaly and just, like, the worst statistical season in terms of efficiency. It has to go up from here or else he's not going to be playing on the in the NFL much longer. But I, I cannot imagine that it goes up enough to justify, like... Yeah, him with, with Chark coming back. Or, no, I guess he is a free agent. Chark might not be coming back with... But who knows which wide receivers they add to their team. But ETN coming back, do we see his targets increasing? Because he did have 100 targets this year, which was – that's not the worst number of all time. So, like, what are your feelings on Chenault, Jake? 
I think it has to increase still because let's say that DJ Chark comes back. Is Marvin Jones going to be a big factor this upcoming year? You know, it, speaking of disappointments, I mean, Marvin Jones had 120 targets. That's the most that he's had in his entire career. Oh and my he God. didn't come close to 1,000 yards. He was under 850 yards. I think that's an indictment on the offense entirely. And maybe on Trev- or on Trevor Lawrence, too. Probably more on Urban, if I'm guessing. Uh, but I do think that there has to be a big upshot for basically all of the players here. So I am unfortunately willing to get bit again by LaVisca Chenault, and I might. But I think that his utilization has to increase and his efficiency has to increase. I think that Marvin Jones stat is pretty wild because we were all like the ball blast podcast was high on Marvin Jones coming in this year. And if you told us he was going to get that many targets, we'd be like, yes, winner. Like what a good take (laughs) with Trevor Lawrence. Like he had to have done something with those. And he really, he really just didn't. Um, It was a fine, like start of the season, but yeah, it really fell off. I will say if he can find, you know, if Doug Peterson or whatever coach he's working with here can find ways to be creative and use him as an offensive weapon, like Cordero Patterson or Debo Samuel. Like, he has that skill set. He is talented. It's just, will they figure it out? Maybe we'll have to wait 10 years like Patterson, or, you know, maybe (laughs) we get it in his third year like Debo Samuel. I guess it's a guy, if you can get for cheap, I'm okay with, you know, trading for him. If you have him, like, just keep him at this point. You're not going to really get anything. You might as well just wait and see. Or you're going to end up like me trading Devo Samuel last year to you for way too cheap um, and really regret it. <laughs> uh, another guy, totally different like wide receiver, but Jerry Judy, he was an elite prospect. According to so many NFL scouts, like everyone loved him. Everyone said he was, you know, one of the best coming out in this decade. Like people were really, really high on this dude. Um, he was drafted last year by the Broncos. Didn't do a whole lot his rookie season, but was okay. And then in 2021, kind of just like fell apart. Only 8.5 fantasy points per game. He did deal with a lot of injuries. He only played just 10 games. Had zero touchdowns, 467 yards. Disappointing first two seasons. But mm-hmm. I really like the prospect. So do we hold on to this idea of the prospect that he was and just say it's the stupid team he's been on with stupid quarterbacks? How are we feeling here? I hate to keep putting it back on teammates when we're talking about the actual players here, but it does feel like Cortland Sutton warrants a mention because Cortland Sutton is another guy that people were enthralled with after his sophomore season because he did look really good, and then he got injured, and then he comes back this year, and he also stunk. He was awful. He was absolutely abysmal for fantasy, for real life. Again, not close to 1,000 yards. Didn't even notch 800 yards this year. And now it's like, well, okay, he couldn't do it. Tim Patrick was, uh, I don't know, he was moderately relevant for a spell. Jerry Judy and this entire gang, the whole gang, Noah Fant (laughs) included, they should all have much bigger upside going forward if they can actually remedy the quarterback situation. And there has to be a 99% chance that that happens. Right, like you can't if if somehow Drew Locke did enough at the end of that season to warrant them being like, you know what, we can go into this next season with him. Like, then that sucks for Broncos fans, and that sucks for the Broncos franchise that Drew Locke showed anything 
at the end of the season because he's not a good quarterback. I, I'll put it right out there. I don't. He's not a good quarterback, guys. Hot take. He's not a good quarterback, and there's very few Drew Lock stands left in the world, but somehow they're still there. Um, like they got to move on and find a better quarterback. Do we think that you know it will be Aaron Rodgers because that's been the strongest destination? Um, that we've heard so far and rumors like, do we think that Rogers could go there? Or like, I see your face right now, Jake, do you think he's going to be a Packer still? I don't want to, I don't want to talk about it. Kit, you talk about this. I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, we did just hear the rumor that Aaron Rodgers is buying property in Tennessee for Nashville, baby. The Titans already. He's going to be the backup for Ryan Tannehill this year. I bet. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's all I, I will I say, so. I think the 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 big the quickest way for Jerry Judy to increase his value is Aaron Rodgers could sign there. And I almost say, like, if you have him a dynasty, like, no matter what he turns into, it's probably best to just trade him, right? Because the hype that will come from Aaron Rodgers in Denver, like, what would Jerry Judy have to actually do to amount to that hype? It'd be a lot. And I actually really like Jerry Judy. I think he's a fantastic separator, really good wide receiver just overall. He should be good with all sorts of quarterbacks. It's just that's how bad Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater are. I don't know. To that point, Judy and, again, everybody that's a pass catcher on the Broncos offense right now is a trade target for me ahead of all that news because we've seen them at their absolute bottom, so you might as well ship away nothing to get them on your team. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think the biggest thing is we just haven't seen a quarterback that can sustain drives and score touchdowns. Like Jerry Judy had zero touchdowns this year, three touchdowns in his rookie season when he actually looked pretty solid, like had nearly, he had over 900 yards as a rookie. Like that's a solid rookie season. We've been spoiled as of late by rookie wide receivers, but that's a really solid rookie season. Um, And then you have Noah Fant, who is this next guy here. He had four touchdowns this season and that was his career high. That's his career high in a season four. It's like no one on this team on the Broncos scores touchdowns because quarterbacks don't throw touchdowns because they don't have a quarterback (laughs) to throw them. (laughs) They need a damn quarterback. But Noah Fant, right? He was drafted in 2019. Huge. Such high hopes for him as a tight end, uh, fantasy tight end, right? There's not a lot of tight ends that come out of drafts where, like, he should be great for fantasy. It was him and TJ Hawkinson that year. And, like, since then, it's really just, like, Kyle Pitts had insane hype. But they were kind of just right below that Kyle Pitts hype there. Um, both have been kind of disappointing. But let's focus on Noah Fant here. Widely consistent over the last two years. In 2020, he averaged 9.95 fantasy points per game. In 2021, he averaged 9.94 fantasy points per game. So good for him for being consistent. He has never hit 700 receiving yards. And again, the most touchdowns he scored in the year is four. It's, you, you can't trust him in fantasy, but he's young. He's athletic. He should be able to do it. If he got a guy like an Aaron Rodgers or just an upgrade at a quarterback, like what's his ceiling? What do we think his ceiling? Like compare him to another tight end. Does anyone have? Um, Ooh. Tight end comp's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't even have to be skill set, but like, what's his ceiling as a fantasy tight end? 
Can he? Gary Barnage. Because that's my answer for every tight end. <laughs> Gary Barnage for that one year. Shoot for the moon. So even if you fall, you land among the stars. Can he have a Mark Andrews-esque fourth season? I mean, I, I don't think, think that's he's, possible. he's like athletic. I think he is a great, like he's got all of the attributes there to be a successful tight end. But I do think like if we're looking at the 2022 season, I'm going to need to see some improvement on offense here before uh, I, I make an investment here. And like they have Jerry Judy. They just paid Cortland Sutton. They just paid Tim Patrick. They don't necessarily need to utilize Noah Fant that heavily. Um, it's just they're, they're I don't know. I, no. So if we're looking at tight ends in Dynasty, because it gets thin real fast, would you rather go with a guy like Noah Fant or a guy like Cole Komet with the Bears where they might need him more for targets? Uh, he's going. He'll be going into his third season. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. Third season. Which one would you rather take a chance on? Much rather commit. And because acquisition cost is going to be a lot lower too for Fant. So, or excuse me, for commit. So I would rather, you know, ship away uh, a lot less to get commit on my team. Okay. That's fair. What about Dawson Knox or Noah Fant? Because they're going pretty close together in startups right now. Ooh, that's a real good one. I think I would go Dawson Knox, even though I acknowledge he's going to be touchdown dependent, but I think that offense is going to make that okay. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I actually went Noah Fant over Dawson Knox. I'm the one that took him, and I'm just hoping that you guys give me some <laughs> some hope here. <laughs> uh, but I do agree with you that Dawson Knox is much safer because of the offense. I just, like, Noah Fant is too talented to be getting four touchdowns only. And, like, not the Albert, Albert O, his tight end compatriot on that team, started creeping up into his usage this last year, too, which is, I I don't think it's any reason for, like, crazy concern. Different change of coaches and everything. Sure. I feel like. Sure. That, yeah, that offense was just a disaster as well. I'm sure Drew Locke was like, I don't like Noah Fant. And they're like, anything for you, sir. (laughs) anything um talking about terrible quarterbacks one last one here real quickly because i like if your answer is that he's gonna be a late bloomer we might need to just close out the show uh daniel jones <laughs> i don't even know why i haven't been here if i'm being this negative but why yeah, did yeah, you I put him no on idea. the show daniel jones his agent snuck into this dock do either of you guys do no. you, if you have a feeling that he could be a late bloomer and finally do it in the NFL and in fantasy. Because, I mean, it seems like every offseason people are like, you know, Daniel Jones is a sneaky value. Are we still going to hear that this offseason? If, if I can get him on my Dynasty Superflex team for two third-round picks, you betcha. You betcha I'll put him on my roster. Otherwise, no, I'm not yeah. doing it. So Brian Dable doesn't move any rankings no. for you. Mm-mm. Yeah. That's how I see it. Yeah, I'm with you. And, like, they have to figure out his wide receiver still because Kenny Galladay was straight poop. I mean, that was, like, it was as obvious of a bad, bad duo together as Claypool and Jimmy Garoppolo would be. It's like, what were you thinking? Paying up for Kenny Galladay for Daniel Jones. Like, get him a separator. Don't – I mean, they did that with Kadarius Tony if he can stay healthy, but I don't know why they thought that would be a good match. It's like, 
I don't know sometimes what. And Saquon's rumored to potentially be out as well this year. We don't know for sure, but that is, it's been circulating. So I don't know. That doesn't give me any good vibes for Daniel Jones either. Yeah, I can't see Barkley actually leaving. Like, you you spent a fourth overall pick on him. <laughs> like, you might as well use up at least his rookie contract, you know? That would be pretty True. silly. Uh, but, yeah, I think we all agree. He's probably just a bust. 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 All right, before we close out the show here, I wanted to talk about one guy. One guy that I'm saying that you should go trade for right now. And I'm sick of hearing, but he's not actually cheap. Not everyone that you're going to go trade for is cheap, right? Sometimes. Buy high. Sometimes. No, I'm not even saying buy high. This guy is just a buy because he's at his, he's at a price that is fair or he's lower than what his fair is. Is I this think. guy a buy high? But it, it's okay. This is what I want to say to the world. Die. If, if you play dynasty <laughs> fantasy football or you play regular season fantasy football, it's okay to send a trade that's fair. It's it's okay to pay a fair price for a player. Everyone always wants to steal people, and it's like, okay, not everyone we say to trade for is going to be. Are you subtweeting me on this podcast right now? Is that uh, what's not you, but a million other people. Why <laughs> have you said stuff? Probably. No, this is my issue because no, T. Higgins is the guy I want to talk about before we get into the Super Bowl. Right? You never know what's going to happen in the Super Bowl. He could go off, and his price is only going to go up. He could win Super Bowl MVP, and you're never going to be able to afford him ever again. Very unlikely. If he goes off, I'm sure Joe Burrow will win Super Bowl MVP. But I'm just saying, if he has another great game, his price is just going to go up and up and up. If he has a bad game, then whatever. T. Higgins, let's talk about him real quick. He's 23 years old. He just turned 23 years old in January. He is one year and one month older than Jamar Chase, who everyone acts like is the tiniest baby of all time. And it's just a superhero, which I love me some Jamar Chase. Everything that I'm saying for the next two minutes has nothing to do with Jamar Chase. He is a stud and he should be more expensive than T Higgins. And he, I would rather have Jamar Chase on my dynasty team. I just want to talk about my bae T Higgins. That's not getting enough respect. So he dealt with a shoulder injury for much of the first half of the season. It was a slow start for him. Jamar Chase got all the love. I understand that. But in the second half of the season, he came alive. And after the Bengals' bye week, T. Higgins actually is the leader in receiving yards and receptions and targets in this offense. It's gone from Jamar Chase back to T. Higgins. He's recorded 95-plus receiving yards in six of his last nine games. If we're just looking since week 12, he's actually averaged, like including the playoffs, he's, include, he's averaged the third most receiving yards per game in the NFL. It goes Cooper Cup at an absurd 119 yards. He's crazy. But then Justin Jefferson at 96 yards. T. Higgins at 95 yards. Devontae Adams at 95 yards, the same as T. Higgins. And then Jamar Chase is still top five, but all the way down at 87 yards per game. It's like T. Higgins was with that group of guys for the last part of the season. Like, that's impressive. And like I said, since the Bengals week 10 by Higgins leads chase and receptions per game and receiving yards per game and yards per reception. That's what was wild to me. Higgins is averaging 16.4 yards per reception since the bye week chase 15.8, both great. And obviously chase is leading and receiving touchdowns seven over four since that bye. but like touchdowns are not consistent. And Higgins is a massive dude. Like he could be the touchdown guy next year. 
There is no reason for there to be such a difference in their cost when it comes to trading and dynasty startups. I got T. Higgins in the fourth round in the dynasty startup I'm in right now. Jamar Chase went at the 105. There is not that big of a gap between them. And you can't trade for Chase right now. Like, you literally can't. He's going to cost you an arm and a leg. But you can trade for fair for T. Higgins. Go do it. I mean, I've been saying trade for T. Higgins uh, for the last year. I'm just glad that you're finally agreeing. Good for you, Kate, okay? Way to... I just... I just... Bared my soul. Yes. <laughs> I am sweating right now. I just had is... so much emotion in those last five minutes, and you were just like, well, I've been saying it for the last year, so. <laughs> Your soul is, like, naked right now. Oh, um, my goodness. Your soul is in its birthday suit, and all I can say is that my soul was in its birthday suit first, so. Okay. Jake, what are your what feelings? What a weird flex. <laughs> yeah. What are your feelings? I love it. No notes. No notes, whatever. I, I love everything you said. I agree. Thank you. Thank you. So go trade for him now before the Super Bowl. I'm so sorry if he has a terrible, terrible thing that happens to him in the Super Bowl or something. I feel like I'm jinxing him. Anyways, oh I'm going to... Oh my God, knock on wood, I'm knocking Michelle. on wood. <laughs> Anyways, that was our podcast. That was the first one of the off season. We will be back every week now. Sorry to leave you hanging here for the last month, but it was a necessary break. Um, but... We'll be mostly talking dynasty here for a little, for a, you know, a few more months at least. But even like today's podcast, it helps you for the 2022 season as well. We're always going to talk about that immediate next year. So if you're not playing dynasty, it's okay. Come listen to us anyways. Uh, again, I'm your host, Michelle, and you can follow me on Twitter at Ball Blastem, Ball Blast E-M. And I'm Kate. You could follow me at FF Ball Blast. And I'm Jake. You can find me at Jake Trowbridge with a W. Enjoy all your delicious food and great quarterback watching during oh, the Super Bowl. Again, don't jinx it, Michelle. Don't jinx it. I'll say go Bengals for our friend Elise and Danae. Woot woot. Bye, y'all. Bye. That's it for this week's Ball Blast Fantasy Football Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, leave those five-star reviews, And check out ballblastfootball.com for more league-winning advice.